We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me. Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham. What's going on, Sean? Uh, a lot, man. Just so much going on in a time where this should be like the deadest period of the year when it comes to sports. But uh, I come back from Vegas and it just seems like everything is going on work-wise, life-wise. I'm actually very thrilled to be joined by you gentlemen here at the close to midnight hour <laughs> as we record this. I love I love this, the energy of these uh, nighttime podcasts. The nighttime pods. Okay, and of course, Brendan Nunez is joining us from the King's Pulse podcast and the King's Herald. What's going on, Brendan? Yeah, up late past my bedtime, um, but <laughs> mom said I could sneak this pod in, so <laughs> I'm here and, and happy to do it. Educating myself on Dar- Don Corleone uh, right Corleone. before this. All right, so, all right. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, he is watching The Godfather. We've got uh, Brendan watching The Godfather, which is <laughs> spectacular. I mean, that's kind of where everyone needs to start. Like, if you're going to get into, like, mobster flicks, gangster flicks, that kind of stuff, you need to start with The Godfather. It's like the baseline, and then you, you build off of there. Mm-hmm. So once you get done, you know, we, we have other, like, you can watch Casino, you can watch... Uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas, yeah. You can go back and bench watch The Sopranos, which is one of the greatest TV shows in the history of television. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty phenomenal. sure I've seen Goodfellas and Heat, but like once, and it's been long enough that it wouldn't hurt to rewatch. Um, and so far, Godfather's uh, good. I think I'm like an hour and a half through. It is a very long movie, fellas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm you're like gonna, an hour and a half through. You're gonna yeah, finish. I'm tonight? gonna finish this tonight. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. During the uh, my COVID weekend, when I was uh, my first weekend, I binged watched all of the Lord of the Rings and all of the Hobbit, <laughs> and they're all extended versions, which are all like three and a half hours long. So I don't want to hear it that it's too long, Brendan. 
That's fair enough. I I was just watching a D.B. Cooper documentary on Netflix that that had me pretty intrigued. So I guess I've been watching more shows or or TV and shows than than usual recently. After Vegas, I kind of relaxed a little bit these last couple days. Yeah, if we were going live, D.B. would be here uh, in the chat (laughs) talking trash to Sean, making him feel awkward. Uh, So (laughs) how is that D.B. Cooper uh, documentary? Because I've heard about it, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's okay. Um, it seems a little stretched out. I think there's like eight episodes. There probably could be three, and I yeah. think that it would be fine content. But overall, I, I think it's intriguing. First two episodes are really good. After that, it might fall off a little bit. But I like those type of shows. That's the standard Netflix formula. They take uh, what should be like a two-hour documentary, and they make it into like eight episodes where they throw out some cockamamie scheme of what could be happening or not okay anyway all right let's get to uh let's get to the basketball uh before we do that if you're watching on youtube uh give us a thumbs up um and subscribe to the show if you're new to the show uh that's awesome uh welcome in uh again this is the king's beat uh if you're not new to the show and still aren't subscribing then uh that's on you and we're gonna be pissed (laughs) at you so, make better choices. Yeah, make better yeah, what's life wrong choices. With you guys? Yeah, we uh, see the percentages. Subscribe, damn it! <laughs> subscribe. We know how many people watch <laughs> this thing versus how many people are subscribed. No, we're super close to two thousand subscriptions. So those are benchmarks that we like to hit quickly and uh, and then move on from there. Uh, we've been growing like crazy. So thank you for all of that. We're still working on a Kingsbeat virtual happy hour uh, guest. I'm hoping oh. for next week. Um, but, next week. Uh, yeah, next week. I don't know. Can you do next week? I think, sure. like maybe maybe we do something like the the twenty sixth or the twenty eighth uh, next week. So yeah, we got to figure that one out. Um, but we'll get guests in here. And we'll we'll fire up the uh, the Kingsbeat virtual happy hour. Um, and then uh, outside of that, you know, this is we're entering the dog days. And Sean was talking about it a little bit where it's the dog days, but it's still busy. You know, um, I think the biggest thing is uh, we'll we'll just start here with. Tuesday overreactions. Sean's favorite part of the show. We're going to call call Keegan Murray like a Hall of Famer all of a sudden. Is that going to be like the overreaction? (laughs) Man, I I saw our friend Mark Spears go on the the four-letter network and just start like going crazy, like saying that the Kings are going to make the playoffs. Like, what are we talking about here? Sir. Keegan Murray is an MVP. He's the surefire rookie of the year. I think it's an interesting discussion, though. Um, Is it? I, one of the, well, one of the things that Spears said that I think stood out to me is that he believes that of the rookies, this rookie class, that the Kings will win more games than every other team, and that should be make it easier for Keegan Murray to win the Rookie of the Year. And to be honest with you, I kind of agree with him. Uh, like they're going to be better than Houston. They should be better than Detroit. They should be better than OKC. They should be better than Orlando. They should be better than Indiana. Like, if there's a, if the, I guess the draft in year one goes according to Hoyle, then Keegan Murray does have a really good shot here if winning is factored in. This is so weird yeah. to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's so preliminary and so weird to have that discussion. And, and honestly, if he wins the MVP, if he wins the Rookie of the Year, great. That doesn't mean you had a great year. I mean, he would just ended up looking like one of the better rookies of the class, and that's fine. But 
you know, maybe I'm just a stick in the mud, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, because I, I I don't put a lot of stock into what I saw in Summer League, and I also don't wasn't surprised by many things that we witnessed in Summer League, it, to the point of that's not taking away from what Keegan Murray did. Like, certainly he would have been my pick for the MVP award. Sure, that's great. It's not indicative of what we should come to expect in the regular season because those aren't NBA games and he's not playing with NBA players. He played very well as a number four pick, but he was picked number four for a reason. And you knew what he could do. You knew what type of skill set that he had. You knew he's capable of putting up numbers and grabbing rebounds and, uh, and, and playing at a high level. So, no, I wasn't really surprised by what he did. And I know we, we, we kind of talked about that. Um, there are things about his game that were impressive, to be sure. I mean, we can go on and on and on about that. But I just I sometimes feel like people come out of summer league with these really ideas of grandeur and, and expectations that be based off of a handful of games that they witnessed in Las Vegas in the summertime where he's playing with a bunch of people that aren't NBA people. Uh, and I just say, if you're excited, that's great to say he's the best rookie of the rookie class pump the brakes. He is so far. He is so far. Bancaro played what? Two games. Jaden Ivy played what? Two games. I think it was. He had an ankle issue. Game um, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great. That's, that's awesome. If someone played like, here's a, here's a, here's an idea not to take away from what Davion Mitchell did last year. I think Davion Mitchell had a hell of a rookie season. He didn't finish in, in the top rookie class. He, he didn't win rookie of the year. And yet he was a co-MVP coming out of summer league and they won the freaking championship. So that's just an example of saying, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to, you're destined for greatness to be the top rookie in the class or even in this year. But I do see the point in being, Hey, we all figured that Keegan would be among the top rookies, if not the top rookie when it comes to playing in the NBA right away and fitting in right away. So if this helps validate that decision or those opinions, okay. Sean's a I'm a stick kill. in the mud, right? I know, man. Yeah, I'm Sean's a, a buzzkill here. Keegan Murray just won his first MVP of many. He's the savior MVP in Sacramento. MVP. Yeah, this is as good as MVP. it gets. I was stupid and wrong for everything that I said about Keegan Murray, and Jaden Ivey is just not that guy. <laughs> Clearly, Keegan is going to solve all the problems from day one. Um, I, I don't know how you can conclude anything else, and I have three months to ride with this, and there's no other basketball to tell me any different. Um I think that, like Sean said, he kind of put up numbers as expected in Summer League. Like, this is what we saw him do at Iowa. I think it was very easy to see how that translates alongside Fox and Sabonis. Like, a lot of dribble handoffs and uh, more cuts back door than he actually got a pass in response for. Like, I think that Sabonis and De'Aaron and those guys will reward him for those good cuts even more often. I think he's going to be solid in transition. I think he's going to be a work in progress defensively, especially if they're running him at the three. I, I think that there's going to be some growing pains there. But in my mind, like I, I think the rookie of the year race kind of comes down to if it goes as expected, like Paulo Bancaro and Keegan Murray. And I think that it probably already was going to be that. And in my mind, the end of the year or when we start talking about that voting, it comes down to the total numbers counting stats that Paulo's putting up compared to less uh, points per game and, and just total raw numbers from Keegan, but a better efficiency. 
And I feel like more often than not, if there's a gap, say Paulo's putting up 18, five and four, and then you're getting 12, three and one and a half from Keegan, but he's 10% more efficient. Like, I think that that's more likely than not in my mind, if there's a conversation with Keegan Murray in the rookie of the year race, that it kind of comes down to that between him and Paulo. That's a good question. What if you were going to put his stats? You're just going to write down his stats and say, this is kind of what I predict for him in his rookie season. Um, because I, I'm with you. I, I think it, like on draft night, it was pretty clear that the the two most like mature and ready to play in the NBA players were Paolo Bencaro and, and Keegan Murray. And it, does, it hasn't changed at all. I think Chet's still going to be really intriguing. I think Jabari Smith is further away than what we thought he might be after watching him play. Uh, he'll look different with better players. But like if you had to say, okay, I think this is who Keegan will be in year one, what would be your ballpark figures? In terms of averages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think? Hmm. Like, I, I mean, I, I think like a reasonable average, I'd say like 14.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, steal uh wow. maybe 1.4 assists shoots 47 percent from the field and maybe 38 percent from three those are uh those are pretty i don't know those are pretty that's higher pretty solid numbers obviously yeah it might be a little bit higher i also just wonder again i, I always just caution and I, I got accused of being political. What should his numbers be, Sean? No, no, can't do that. Can't do that. I will say, like, I just don't know what the team looks like yet, you know? And I think if uh, we have a good indication of what they're going to look like, but this could this team could look a little bit different. And I'm interested to see whether or not, like, it, I don't think it matters if he starts or not, but I am interested to see how that dynamic plays out. I think if it, no matter how it plays out in terms of starting or not starting, I want to see, I want to see Keegan Murray playing 25 minutes a game at minimum. Like that has to be the average at minimum. Um, Cause I just don't think you're going to be, I think he's going to play like 28. Like that's yeah. where I would put him like 20, 27 to like 31. I, there's a possibility he could play 30 minutes tonight. Yeah. And the scoring part of it is intriguing but I also wonder, uh, it might take him a little bit to find that footing, um, to kind of find his place with the team. He's going to be encouraged, I think, to score, but there might be a little sense of earn it. And uh, I, I could look, I could see him making those type of numbers, James. I really could, but I just, I don't want to put an expectation out there and then see it fall fl flat and just be like, well, these were the expectations that we had. And I think, again, as the expectations that maybe you have, it on july 19th um could be different than what might transpire at the start of training camp or maybe even a week into training camp so that's just the only thing i would caution i don't know if i could really pinpoint what a success would look like in terms of statistics for him for me the biggest statistic of all is just you better be averaging 25 minutes a game for your rookie season and then take it from there and and i think regardless of success or failure in the win-loss record uh, like it probably should be closer to thirty by the by the time the uh, this, this by the time the season ends. Yeah, I, I think if I had to give my prediction for numbers, I, I think that it's something along the lines of twelve, thirteen points, about 
five boards and then an assist and a half. And I think somewhere around 45% from the field and 38% from three. Like It's interesting to me to see how much they try to feature him, at least here and there in the offense, or if he's just going to be a completely complimentary piece. I, I My guess would be the latter, but like, is there moments where it's like, oh, tonight is a night we feel like we can give him a couple post-up touches in a game, or we want to run this action for him where he's coming off a pin down and he's one of the primary options. Like, I think obviously if they're running through him a little bit more, those efficiency numbers could go down, but in general, he's a very efficient player. And in my mind, he's just running kind of complimentary second side stuff off of Fox and Sabonis. So I think it's a situation where like counting stats aren't going to be phenomenal, but I think percentages specifically three point percentage should be pretty solid. Yeah, I think he's going to get opportunity. I don't think like 14 and a half points. I don't think that's outlandish. I mean, you know, De'Aaron averaged 12 as a rookie and was green and raw. Um, you know, Davion last season averaged what 11, uh, Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton averaged right around 12 points a game. I think he comes into the league and should have a role that's bigger than what some of those guys had in year one and, and an opportunity. And And he factors to be a, he factors to be a better scorer than any of those guys in the rookie year. Don't you think like just based off his skill set? Yeah. I mean, he walks in and he's a perfect fit on this team. I mean, they're going to find him in the corner. And if he, you know, if he wants to pull a Harrison Barnes and not shoot enough, then sure, his numbers won't be where I think they'll be. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be featured a lot. I think the Kings want him to win Rookie of the Year. I think it's something that will be pretty high on their list of things that they want. They want to prove that this was a great pick. And just because you win Rookie of the Year doesn't mean anything. I mean, Mike Miller won Rookie of the Year. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams won Rookie of the Year. Tyreek. And then we had, what's that? Tyreek Evans. Yeah, Tyreek Evans. Um, you know, but uh, Tyreek definitely deserved it. I mean, his stats were huge, but, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, like, I, I don't think it really matters. It, the rookie of the year becomes more circumstantial than anything else. And we can go back and Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year as a second round pick. Um, so, you know, there will be someone else who's really good out of this draft class that we're not thinking of right now who will have a shot. But uh, I like what Murray brings to the table, and and I think he's going to be really like ready to play in, in year one. I think year two, you can probably get up to like sixteen point five points per game and closer to seven and a half rebounds and and be more functional. But year one, I still think there's going to be a ton of opportunity just because Sabonis and Fox draw a ton of attention, yeah. and he's going to get wide open looks. Yeah, I, I can see that, and. You know, I just, again, wonder what the team looks like. I wonder if they feel they'll have to make a move to bring in a more uh, established four, maybe an, a better established three. Like, a, And uh, obviously you have some point guard help that you need you need to address. But yeah, there's some question marks there for be, to be sure. And a lot of summer left, as I like to keep saying, because uh, I was, you know, I, I really feel like Monty McNair might as well have won a, worn a t-shirt that said, I'm not done. We're not done at that press conference in Vegas when he was introducing Malik Monk and Kevin Herter because he was beating that drum, man. He was just beating that drum. We're not done. And I think I walked up and said hello to him afterwards. He's like, we're not done. Like, yeah, that's how, <laughs> that's how triggered he was. We're not done. <laughs> He's got it tattooed somewhere. 
Right. <laughs> it's part of his uh, thorough, uh, what is it, uh, comprehensive and process-driven approach <laughs> is to tell Sean that he's not done every We're time he done. sees him. We're not done. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Brendan, um, what do you think? I mean, is this a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate? I mean, when you look at him, you're like, okay, I mean, Summer League doesn't mean much, but do you feel comfortable saying, yeah, I'm down with this? This is a guy who's going to battle for Rookie of the Year. Totally. I think that Keegan's absolutely going to be in that conversation. He's a guy that comes into the NBA with an NBA-ready game. Like I think one of the things that stood out during his time at Iowa and then you saw it translate at Summer League as well is just like he already is playing at his own pace. It I, it may have been one of you two that said this on a previous spot, but it's like the game has already slowed down for him um, when typically that would just take a little bit more time. So I think because of the fact that he's coming into the NBA – with a little bit more of a obvious skill set and at least how it will translate in the immediate and weirdly being in a role that fits him really well. Like it's not very often that you can look at a Sacramento top lottery pick and be like, man, they're in a really good situation for the sake of their own growth and immediate development as well. And I think that you can say that for Keegan. Now, Sean, Go ahead. And go I ahead, agree. Sean. No, I'm, I agree. But I also think, like, it didn't take Summer League to feel that way. I felt like whoever drafted Keegan Murray, he'd be in the running for Rookie of the Year just based off of his readiness and and and, and what he can bring to a team. Um, doesn't make him a star, but I think it bodes well for whoever was to draft him. And obviously, with the Kings drafting him and addressing a, a need right out of the gate, it's impossible to not think of the guy as a contender for rookie of the year. So I get it, but it just doesn't, I just want to caution people because it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything uh, other than the fact that you expect him to be a productive player and there should be some expectations of that. Um, But as we, as, as James pointed out a minute ago, there's, there's guys who've won rookie of the year that don't really become that star player that maybe you think they might become have when they win the award. So um, I already see some pretty crazy things. I know you guys have seen it too. I'm, I'm thrilled that, that fans have something to be excited about, but that's why you need the responsibility of two of the three of us. No, probably all three of us to to sit there and go, (laughs) Hey guys, calm down. (laughs) We didn't start any Twitter beefs with Detroit. Like some of these other people. What was that about, man? What happened? I missed it. I I was like two hours uh, late. James Edward, the third made some off the cuff comment about Sacramento being like the second worst NBA city to go visit as a beat writer. Which well, I can I, see that. Like he lives in one of them. Like so. <laughs> well, and how sure. long has he been there, by the way? I, he hasn't been there that long. That's and, what I'm saying. And, You're coming to Sacramento during a pandemic, my guy. Like it's that's a little tough. That's a little tough, and he, like I don't remember anyone like the Bay Area contingency comes like to Sacramento really hard for big games right Mm -hmm. so we start getting you know Spears and Amick and you know I I don't know who else but we do get a lot of a lot of guys from the Bay Area that are showing up when there's good games I hate to tell him this but no one is showing up to watch a Detroit Pistons Sacramento Kings game on a Wednesday night nobody nobody cares like the Kings fans don't even want to see that even though Cade Cunningham could play so I don't think anyone showed him around town I don't know him um I I think he's been in sack a couple of times but I don't know him and I don't think you guys know him like that personal like he's not someone that I like sit there and hang out with and 
have long conversations with. But like I've there are a lot of beat writers that come through Sacramento who don't feel that way. Like I've gone out to lunch and to dinner with tons of beat writers who love Sacramento. And right. you know, I've gone out with the the Cleveland contingency where they're like, Hey, we gotta try this like southern fried chicken place that's in downtown I don't know if it was the porch or something. Like all of a sudden we're sat, sitting there having lunch and having like food in Sacramento that I've never had. I'm like, Hey, check this out. This is kind of cool. Uh, but like there, there is a little bit of a nightlife and there's certainly plenty of good restaurants and stuff. And I just, he said something in Sacramento Kings fans like jumped on him and now Kings <laughs> fans, you know, they're like, they got their little list. It's like yeah. Spencer Hawes, Jason Terry, Oh yeah, dude from Detroit. <laughs> is it James James Johnson? Oh, oh James yeah. Johnson's on there. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. I look um, like I, I I get it, but it's also like it's a dude's opinion, man, based off his experiences. Maybe he's just had a really shitty time when he comes to Sacramento. I, I, in fact, James, I think I don't know if it was th- this year might have been the first year because I don't think when Detroit came through the year before there was even any traveling media with Detroit. Right? Yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. And, and and again, my point is that like if he knows somebody in the league, if he knows other reporters, typically we like like how many times have I gone out with the Utah contingency? You know, like all of their beat writers, they're awesome. You know, how many times have we gone out with BT from uh, from LA or right. Dan mm-hmm. Wojcik or you know like there's a like we're all reasonably friendly, especially if we all go to shoot around. Then it's like, hey, where are we all going afterwards? So I just don't think that he's come through town with somebody that, you know, like I, I think like Marcus Thompson is a friend of his. If Marcus Thompson would have been here in Sacramento, he would have taken him out to a couple of spots. Because I can tell you this, that dude brought his wife and daughter to games for years in Sacramento. So, yes, they like it here. They they found the environment fun and, and appealing. <laughs> so I just, you know, I just thought it was weird to – to see the Kings kind of get thrown under the bus. But then he also listed San Antonio as one of his worst places to go. And it's like, man, the river walk is bomb. The Alamo is right there. Like maybe it's just a taste thing. Maybe he's looking for something specific that he just can't find in a city like Sacramento or, it's or a San dude's Antonio. opinion too. I thought it was hilarious. Cause I was seeing some stuff the just the vitriol of, of people who can't, they can't I love take, Kings fans. I do. Yeah, man. There's like, <laughs> they are just, right. Like, for, like how dare you say anything negative about this town and it's it, and they just get in their feelings <laughs> look man i'm from here I, i'm born and raised I, I love sacramento and i think it's funny when i anytime i think i've told you guys this in pod, previous podcasts going to something like the nba finals or um even summer league or a league event be it for nba more so for nba because you have an nba team here i might as well wear this big sign over my head that just says sacramento and and everybody my name might as well be just sacramento and then all these people are like walking up like hey man what are you doing here there's no kings here there's no you know and it's always that or they'll come up to me like man what is up with the kings like you know because it's just not good and and i'm the one that's gotta be like you don't see me out here trying to defend them like i'm just gonna be like your guest is you know you're you're shaking your head much like i do every day so you know hopefully that changes soon but it, it it is funny and you know, it's fun to see the way fans take a innocent what's meant to be just his own personal experience on a social media platform and it and him getting some uh, feedback from it. So good for them. 
I think one of my favorite tweets I've seen was there's a main character on Twitter every day and the goal is to never be it. And I think that James managed to be the main character the other day, James Edwards, that is. Oh, um, okay, James Edwards. Yeah, and he's he's not allowed back in the city of Sacramento, obviously. Oh, um, yeah, no, I, like, I actually really like the work that James hey, does. Hey, MFer, it's our dumpster fire. Don't you <laughs> kick the side of our dumpster fire. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. I, I love I it. I think, I yeah, you know what? I, I'm trying to remember. I Yeah, I don't think I know James very well. I've been in his company before, but... Um, I think I've met him. I think I've met yeah. him once or twice, but like I don't know him very well. Yeah, like <laughs> there are a lot of reporters that I know, you know, reasonably well around the league, and you know when they come into town, it's like, hey, what's going on? You know, we have good conversations. There, Brennan's been at the table where, uh, like, the whole table at dinner is like eight beat writers from from around the the area, and like, hey, this is cool, or from visiting teams in our in Sacramento, and you know. We're like a we're thick as thieves as writers, like and and reporters. We all just hang out together when guys are in town. Yeah, man. I was just looking at him too. I was like, I, he's not actually the one I was thinking of. So he's. <laughs> hey, you don't even know. Apologies him. to James. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that guy is. I mean, seriously, he can't uh, have been the beat writer for more than like. No, he's got to be new to this. Three and... or four seasons at the most, and two of those were pandemic seasons i like how do you make a judgment on on some of these cities when you know i don't know i, I whatever okay so let's get to something <laughs> we touched I'm on so this amused. yeah we touched on this last time that uh we had a pod but we kind of breezed over it and then damien pulled it out and we talked about it today on the show a little bit because sean joined us uh i've been working all week on espn 1320 which is why we're we're doing the late podcast tonight, but uh, Damien brought something back to the conversation, and it was that Sean had made the bold statement that there could be a starting lineup that included De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, and Demonis Sabonis. And I think both Brent and I just kind of blew Sean off like he's a crazy ass and like, well, whatever, Sean. That ain't going to happen. Keegan Murray's starting at the four. What the hell is Sean talking about? But, uh, like, am I wrong there, Brendan? Is that what your first thought was? Like, man, Sean must have had a drink. Yeah, that might have been. <laughs> he was having a drink that day, so very, very accurate. Yeah, That's true. Um, That's true. And people yeah. complained that you were in a bar, even though you did make time <laughs> while you were in Las Vegas to come on a podcast, just so you know. If you're going to sit at a bar, you have to order a drink. And they wouldn't let me get a non-alcoholic beverage. Sorry, (laughs) It wasn't that. The beer wasn't the problem. I mean, there was some feedback. But I think feedback, like the noise, ambient ambient noise is good. Like like to be – like we've done podcasts and every once in a while someone complains because we're in the yard house. And it's like, look, man, this is where we are. This We're trying to get a pod for you people uh, to to help you out, like to, to get you as much King's News as possible and to entertain you. Sometimes does this, say, means does this sound stop. too pompous? Does this sound too pompous? Is if I like to say, we do our podcast for us. <laughs> like it's it's. I hope people enjoy it. That's not to say we don't do it for people. But like at the end of the day, like my my like I do this because I enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy talking to you guys and seeing different opinions. And if people find it entertaining or they want to listen to it every single day, that's great. But then when you hear some comments or whatever, which I'm always amused by positive or negative i appreciate them i think they're great i think they're food for thought but like most of them just make me kind of laugh and just 
the thought and detail that goes into a lot of the comments and the thinking about what what we plot out to do when we do this podcast almost gives us too much credit you know what i mean like we're just yeah we're just hey man let's just let's just start talking and doing this right like, our rundown minute- is like literally like 40 seconds i have some <laughs> notes but they're like very i mean i can't even see them tonight because it's dark and like whatever how like, many times james is like hey why don't we talk about this maybe we'll hit on this and i just and one of us just goes dude can we just can we just fucking do this right now can we yeah. just go let's, <laughs> let's just go start. we gotta get this go. thing going yeah yeah <laughs> right. so Anyway, to get back oh, to the point, exactly. yeah, yeah. To get I back said to, what I said, man. I said what I said, Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, like it's possible. Uh, I'm not saying I would bet on it, but it's not something I just, you know, had this thought bubble and said, "Hey, what if?" I think it's entirely possible based on if this roster remains as is to start the season. I think you're going to see moments of that, and I think a lot of it will be to start it a certain way because usually Demonis Sabonis comes off the floor after about what is it like four or five minutes james i think we it's kind of what we saw and then it's a way to stagger both centers um but it's also a way to show that you're bringing your rookie along you don't have to finish with that lineup i think you're showing your veterans that there's yeah you are veterans and yes you have earned some of these things and depending on how training camp shakes out like it's entirely possible Uh, again i don't know that i'd bet on it but it's not something i just like hashed up on my own in fact it's based off conversations that that we've had and again we're so far away which where i didn't even bring up the 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 method of conversation and the people i talked to like it's it's like how do you envision maybe roles going forward how do you envision um what this could look like you know i don't think anyone's really starting on they're talking about starters necessarily but it's like what could a rotation look like what could a, a bulk minute rotation look like meaning what which which rotation could get the most uh, bang for your buck and, and and lead the the rotation minutes of the five so it, yeah man it's just it's certainly a possibility anybody that like takes that reads into that too much just has to remember that it's july 19th we're we're still far away but yeah it's it's still very very possible that that could be a, a situation that presents itself for mike brown and his staff i'm watching brennan i just want him to yell erroneous erroneous <laughs> like <laughs> go ahead go ahead Brennan. he just won an mvp how can you not he has to be in the starting lineup like he is the i don't MVP, know what this whole veteran who deserves more MVP. yeah <laughs> this literally is as good as it gets like um, this is no. why the king's fans are such a freaking tortured <laughs> fan base man because of stuff like that yeah i like catnip I would understand trying Holmes and Sabonis here and there. I think that there's, it's very reasonable to look at your lineup and say that those are two of your five best guys. And sometimes you just need to get your five best players out there and see if it can work. Like maybe there is progress that I'm supposed to believe in more than I do with the whole lethal shooter and Sabonis shooting thing. Can Rashawn Holmes have a corner push shot, you know, like can one of those guys have a little bit of something from, from range, even Sabonis just hitting an elbow jumper more often. And obviously Rashawn is really consistent from like the nail and and elbow sort of area. Like I can see scenarios where it works. Um, My hesitance would come if they were thinking that like relying on that lineup, 
I don't mind trying it, but in my mind, like if it's that's like, oh, this is one of our primary lineups, then I'm concerned because I just don't think that the spacing is phenomenal. And clearly spacing and shooting was something that was highly prioritized. We heard about it nonstop. And then to get Keegan Murray, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, like obviously that's a priority. So I wouldn't expect it all too much. Trying it here and there, I understand why that could be a scenario. I don't love it though. I think the only way that it really works is if Sabonis is shooting the three. Now, but I could be way off base because, uh, you know, I, I guess the other way that you it could work is if De'Aaron Fox has improved as a, as a three-point shooter. If he can shoot, say, I don't know, 37% like he did a couple of years ago from three, and you still have Harrison Barnes launching and hitting, and you have Kevin Herter hitting shots— then maybe you can get to spacing. And the one thing, I guess the other thing I'll point out is that uh, Mike Brown is coming from a situation in Golden State where they started Draymond Green and Kevon Looney together for huge portions of the season. They backed off a little bit during the playoffs, but like I, I think Draymond played like 44 games and 42 of them were starts. Those forty-two starts were alongside Kev. Uh, it were alongside Looney, and so I could see how they could go. Okay, this isn't that far fetched. The only difference is that the Kings don't have Steph, they don't have Clay, they don't have that, and they don't have Wiggins. You know, they don't have all three of those guys that can do what they can do. So you got to be a little bit apprehensive about about running that out there. Plus, I think there's such a solid buzz with Keegan Murray that. I think we are going to see a lot of him. And I still think that there's a way that you can steal like four minutes a half with uh, Sabonis and Holmes on the floor together. And then Sabonis is going to play like, you know, plenty of minutes. He's going to play 34 to 36 minutes. And so you can steal that 12 to 14 minutes and add it to the other eight minutes that you play them together. And next thing you know, Holmes is playing 22 to, you know, 20 to 22 minutes a game. And that, that might be okay. I mean, he's a ranging defender. He can defend the perimeter where Sabonis, he's a better de- uh, perimeter defender than Sabonis. He's a better shot blocker than Sabonis. He is the shot blocker that you need. Um, but the fact that neither one of them are knocked down three-point shooters, it just makes it really difficult for modern NBA. Well, and, and like you said, like neither is Draymond or Looney. And much like Draymond, like if, if the ball's going to move through Sabonis, you know, you, you can, you could definitely envision it. You can see it working in theory. And I think to your point, Brendan, like, like, I, I really feel like you can see that early in a, in a starting rotation. Sabonis is off the floor four or five minutes in home stays, checks it. Like, however, however that looks. And then when Rashawn comes back out, it's Sabonis that comes back in, plays another bulk minutes without Rashawn. Like, the majority of the time will be will they'll be on the floor individually, but you start the game with both of them on the on the floor uh, has a different little bit of a different look than what the majority of the game will kind of feature going forward. So, um, you know, you see a lot of guys. There's 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 been players who come in as strictly starters, and then you don't see them again until the third quarter. You know, where where they where you're starting the third quarter and they're starting again. Um, I'm trying to remember the team. We I made reference of one. Uh, I think it was it was a rookie. There was a rookie like two years ago who would do this, and all he would do was start, play the first six minutes, and then you wouldn't see him again until 
the start of the third quarter, he play uh, the first six minutes again, and he the the point was was to get him to average twelve to fifteen minutes per game by the end of the season, and that was a uh, a solid good team bringing his rookie al- their rookie along and trying to play them with their their starting people. That's not the thought process here, but it's just another one of those ways of trying to put your best foot forward. And I think in this circumstance, it's trying to keep your rotational centers to where even if you start with both of them, the object is to have one of them at all times. Yeah. I talked about this. uh, Like I bring this up all the time. I don't know. Like I have for years. It, this always reminds me of like the, uh, the Michael Keaton Batman. It's the first Batman where like if, if you wear the, you know, they poison the cosmetic stuff. And uh-huh. like, if you put the de- the deodorant on You'll and die. use the shampoo, then you die. If you use the like the blush and like something else, you die. Right? So there's a point here, yeah. There there is a point. There's a point. And <laughs> watch I'm, Batman '89. <laughs> I'm kind of looking at this team, and I'm thinking, I want to see De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray together on the court all the time. I want to see Davion Mitchell and um and Rashawn Holmes like because I think they complement each other like and then I feel like if you have the wrong mix if you go out there with three non-shooters in Fox Sabonis and and Holmes you're gonna die like the spacing will be bad and you're not gonna have a chance and you know it's gonna be like you know the it's gonna be like Batman all over again you know what I'm saying (laughs) So uh, that's die. that's kind of where I, I look at this, like the new death you... lineup. Yeah, because I think <laughs> I think with uh, with Harrison Barnes and with Herder and with Monk, you can kind of play those guys with anybody, right? Because that's kind of their skill set. Even Keegan Murray, I think you can play with anybody. But I I think with Fox and Sabonis and Holmes, that might not be the case. They can't play with anybody. They there are specific groups that will that will work better. Do you get what I'm saying, Brennan, or am I just like, you don't even know who Jack Nicholas is, Nicholson is, do you? I know who Jack Nicholson is. He scored sided all the Laker games. You uh, said <laughs> a while. Um, no, I'm with you. I, I think that as long as there's three shooters out there, or there's not three players that opposing defenses could care less if they're getting up decent looks from three. And Sabonis is that right now. Holmes is that right now. And, and Fox was that last year. I think he's like shown moments where teams will give him a little bit more respect at least like off the catch from three but obviously that's still the preferred shot the defenses are going to want to give up like in my mind Keegan is such a good complimentary piece alongside Fox and Sabonis and I I think HB is as well and I I think Herter like to me that might lineup just makes so much sense and should be something that like you can implement and you're just running everything through Fox and Sabonis and all those other guys are are decent decision makers who are going to adequately like space the floor so I think that the issue you run into is is when you have three non-shooters out there and then and then also like Davion kind of falls into that right now was it 32 percent from deep last year like until I think he proves it a little bit more from range even having Davion out there with Sabonis and um, Rashawn Holmes makes for tough lineups. Like Chemezi Metu can't be part of any of those lineups. Akpala can't be part of lineups that have um, Sabonis and and Rashawn Holmes. Like I, I think that if you have 
you know, can you get away with a Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray, Rashawn Holmes, DeMontis Sabonis? Like, maybe? Do you have enough playmaking there? Because I think that's the type of complementary shooting that you need to run, like, ideally run a Fox and Sabonis lineup. Yeah, but and, and again, your starting, your starting five does not need to be your bulk minute rotation. And, and again, like, that, that's kind of, I think, what the, the whole theory there is, which is, you you start off with a lineup where it's tough for the opposition to react to you. Uh, you're you know what I mean, like you're, and then you take it from there. Like we already know Sabonis checks out early in the first quarter, right? That that's what we've seen a lot in his time in Sacramento. He checks out early, four minutes in, four or five minutes in. However Sometimes that looks, they, yeah, I, a lot yeah. of times it's like at the six minute, and I and I could see that. I could see Sabonis going to six coming in and then swapping out for Rashawn Holmes. And then, like, two minutes left in the quarter, they switch uh, Davion in for De'Aaron, and then, you know, you might see that's my, that might be where the last two minutes of the first quarter, the first two minutes of the second quarter, where you start to see overlap of Rashawn Holmes and Sabonis, and then you mm-hmm. come back out into the into the second and you start making more adjustments. Well, and think I, of it this I'd way, too. That. We saw a lot of it last year. I mean... Rashawn Holmes couldn't keep his ass out of foul trouble. Like the guy would foul all the time. Having someone with like Sabonis on the floor might help that a little bit where he's not having to, um, you know, be the primary focal big man right there. And maybe that keeps him out of foul trouble and saves him a little bit more. I don't know. Um, Maybe there's some analytic or some statistic to back that up. I'm not so sure, but at any rate, I think these are the conversations they're going to have, but it's, it's to me, it's a bit of a moot point because, you know, you're not there yet. Your 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 roster's it's not July nineteenth. You're going to tell us again. July nineteenth. July twentieth. Yes, July twentieth. Right on the dot. How about that? Oh, it's July twentieth. There we go. Yeah, and, and I'll just tell if you are watching on YouTube. Sorry, we didn't uh, we didn't go live sorry. tonight. Uh, we yeah, we were um, like kind of throwing this thing together, trying to figure it out. It it really does come to uh, like there's just too many things going on with me doing radio and then Sean having it, stuff all day and Brennan fault. being a working man himself and. You know, so it's a little chaotic. Um, Question for you guys. Yeah, let's hear it. On the home situation. Do you think that this is a scenario that is being talked about just because this is the state of the roster and Holmes is a solid player? Or do you think that it's something that could genuinely be looked at as like, no, I I think this is a good thing to that these two guys could work together? Showcase. Showcase. What's wrong with you? Uh, no, uh, no. Great question, Brendan, and thank you for asking. No, I think uh, <laughs> I think what it comes down to is legitimately like, yeah, you may have had discussions about moving on from Rashawn, but there's a world that exists where he's not where he's here. And how do you maximize his ability and his talents with this team? And um, I think you, you, you kind of have to have a, a look at what it looks like when you have Sabonis on the floor as well. And I think they're going to um be aggressive in these next month or so before training camp gets underway. And you, you just kind of, well, I guess two months, you just kind of have to know what you, what you have. And um, these are things to maybe experiment a little bit with preseason. Uh, you, you know, you've got to, you got to realize that even though Keegan Murray looks like he belongs and looks like he's going to be the most NBA ready, that there's a world that exists where maybe he's not ready. You know, I mean, Again, summer league is not the NBA. College is not the NBA. And I know Brennan's about to scream at me, telling me he won the freaking MVP award. Did he not win an MVP? <laughs> MVP. 
MVP. But, <laughs> Wait till they bring funny. over the overseas MVP. They have three different MVPs actually. Here. <laughs> how many? How many? Uh, this is another way to look at summer league. How many NBA players do you think he went up against over his course of what was it? Seven games during uh, like five. California. <laughs> no, one of them. There were more than that. One of them you would probably say was Paolo Bencaro. Yeah. 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 And sure. that didn't that didn't go all that well for the majority of that game. Uh, right? By the end of the game, he's the best player on the floor. Game. By the end of the game, he certainly had looked like a different player. But for yeah. th- for about two and a half quarters, he looked like oh man, he was this shaking is your early. first time. Yeah, yeah, this is your first time going. And again, he'd never. It wasn't just Paolo. Like like he he was fantastic against um, uh, uh, big kid from Thunder. Good God, it's Poco. so late. Or Chet. I'm sorry, Chet. Chet, yeah, it's late. It's late for everyone. For, uh, he looked fantastic against Chet, Chet Holmgren, but Chet was also playing without Josh Giddy for the first time in, in his summer league experience. So they were using Chet Holmgren more as a kind of a playmaker as well. And I felt like uh, that was the game he came out firing. It, but the but the common thread was there is that he didn't have experience against either one of them, which I found to be quite interesting. Like I I figured somewhere along AAU uh, basketball whatever level of basketball you want to you want to chalk it up to i would have figured their paths would have crossed at some point and it just hadn't for either one of them for van carroll or holmgren so um yeah man like i i just you kind of look at the amount of nba players that that were in summer league and how many that you can say you can circle them and say they're nba player legit and again i'm not trying to douse water all over the the the, the flames of how great keegan MB- murray can be mvp yeah. chance I just want to. It's just cautious optimism, you know. There's a there's a world that exists <laughs> where what if he comes out and he just wets the bed and he's just not he's just not ready. I think he will be. Don't get me wrong, but you just have to be prepared to rely on your vets. It's a long, long season, eighty two games, and and inevitably they hit the wall and they don't go through. You know, they don't look the same. You know, even every, even Davion talked about it, and he's a guy that you can't keep off the floor at all. Look at James trying to hide his his yawn right there. Did you see I that? I was yawning. He was in, he was incredibly bored by what I was having to say. No, it's just that it's it's it, we're we're getting into the wee hours. Um, yeah. Okay, let's. Uh, the Kings made. You, you talk about a long season. The Kings made a couple of additions. Um, we're not really sure what these additions mean. Uh, we do officially now know that Sasha is not coming over. Um, Sean, you were the one that broke that, uh, and then uh, the Kings added. Kezia uh, Apala, um, who is at least intriguing. And mm-hmm. then what is uh, uh, Chimo Moneki? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you know about uh, Moneki? Because he's a UC Davis guy. I went to Davis, but I, I never watched Davis basketball. It's my bad. Uh, yeah, he's fun, man. Like uh, it, it, He's it, instantly the best player they've probably ever had. Um, and Jim Les, former King, is his head coach, and he helped lead them to a, you know, an NCAA men's appearance. He was a player of the year in the Big West, and um, just a r- lot of fun, man. Like he's he's a guy with Australian roots, and and plays for a Nigerian basketball team, and um, where he got to learn Mike Brown. But more than anything, that team with Davis, you got to see a lot on display there. Like not only just his athleticism, his scoring ability, um, but physicality and 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 really the way he kind of defends and then it just really 
blossomed from there. Some of the international stops that he's had in France and Spain and and more recently in, in in Europe where he was able to win that MVP award for basketball champions league, which I wasn't all that familiar with, but, um, yeah, I didn't even look it up. I don't know what basketball championship uh, champions league is. Yeah. I mean, important thing incredibly the have two MVPs. They're adding to this roster. <laughs> yes. There we are. There we are. They could have had three. They could have had, they could have dropped the ball. He'll be, uh, he and he and Rashawn Holmes. If Rashawn is still on the team, uh, we'll both be wearing goggles. Um, but no, just a really cool, uh, cool kid, fun to talk to, very, very bright, very intelligent, and uh, his basketball has come a long way. I never would have thought that, uh, for for as much as I liked covering him and and thought that, boy, I could see him being in the G League or or playing in summer league. He's never played in summer league, never played in the G League, and he's 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 been he's he's really come from nothing. It's it's a little. Uh, it's a little similar to Gabe Vincent because that's another guy who I covered a lot, his basketball journey. It's unorthodox. And I love, if you haven't seen his t-shirt, I love the t-shirt. He, he wore it even last year, which was, uh, uh, nobody's perfect. And or I'm, I'm nobody and nobody's perfect. And it's just a great kind of moniker to have as you, all these people that bet against you and you're just having to overcome so many odds. Like you never hear of NBA players, coming from davis or sac state for that matter so um this is a first and i think it's great to have that mike brown's going to have some familiarity at least with the nigerian national team that he had he didn't chima didn't make the olympic team but he was part of the team that took down usa and then was cut right before the final roster uh trimming before they went to tokyo and uh, they were based in oakland and it was always a lot of fun to see how many people on that Nigerian basketball roster had so many ties to our region uh, one way or the other. So yeah, Casey Akpala was a part of it. You got Shemezi Metu who was a part of it. I mentioned Gabe Vincent as well. So um, it, it's, it's going to be fun. And I think bringing a guy, bringing a guy like Chima Moneki on here who is familiar with a system that granted is international play. It's different than the NBA, but you're from, you have a familiarity and it will help push maybe some of the incumbents that, that come in here and think, well, I've got a nice contract. I can coast. No, man, you're going to bring in some, some guys that are going to try to take what's theirs and, and, or take what's yours and, and take it for themselves and try to seize an opportunity. Uh, so I think it will push a lot of the roster players that are already on this team that are the incumbents and in, in, in arriving at training camp. Yeah. Brendan, I, I want to bring that to you. I mean, if we look at Mike Brown, he just keeps bringing in people that are associated with the Nigerian national team. And that's not a bad thing. Like, you know, Jordi Fernandez came from, he, he worked with him there. Uh, Luke Locks, um, you know, uh, like you're getting Chimezi and KZ and, uh, and Chima. Like, I, it seems like it's kind of a cool thing that even your, your guys who may not make the team or who, like 13 14 15 on your bench they at least know the lingo they know what mike brown is about they've they have familiarity with the system with the terminology with the coaching staff like what do you think of that that sort of tie that binds this group together yeah it's intriguing for sure i I think of when i look at moneki and akpala like two guys that are impressive on the defensive end I think that they give a lot of effort and they have good length and athleticism and I think that that's something that like Sean kind of pointed out I think 
maybe threat's the wrong word, but for lack of a better word, like the threat of that guy behind you being if if you're not busting your butt on defense, then we're going to look towards the next guy because I know that he will, um, could have other guys step up. And it's also intriguing to me because it makes me feel like there's a sense of trust between the front office and coaching staff. Like in my mind, a lot of the previous research and uh, information that the front office has on Moneki and Akpala comes from Mike Brown, Jordy Fernandez, Luke Laux, and the the fact that these guys end up coming into Sacramento's system in my mind just means that there is a good connection there between the front office and the coaching staff that I don't know that I had seen as obviously there um, in years prior with Monty McNair and Wes Wilcox and all that. So I think it's definitely intriguing. Um, I don't know how much I'm expecting an on-court difference from uh, Moneki or uh, Okpala or anything like that, but it, it's definitely intriguing and you know something that you can look at and say, I don't know that this would have been the case if Sacramento would have gone with one of their other coaching options. So it makes you feel a little bit better in that regard as well. Well, and I also I want to point this out too. Chima didn't just come out of nowhere in the sense, well, it was it was Davis that is nowhere, but but he also had Utah and Minnesota. And I actually thought Utah was going to land him. So for the Kings to be the ones that walked away with him, I didn't think that was going to be the case. I actually thought Utah or Minnesota uh, might might get his services. Um, so for him to land in Sacramento uh, after learning a, that that you know there were three teams that were really kind of after him, uh, and I think there was a fourth one as well. But those were the two that I thought were going to had heard that were going to be maybe a little bit more hotter on him uh, to, when he landed in Sacramento. I was like, a little bit surprised. Yeah, and I think that there's there's value in this, right? Um, you know, if, if you're looking at, like, last year's roster at the beginning of the year, and you've got Jemias Ramsey and you've got Robert Woodard, and you're sitting there trying to teach those guys at the same time, you're trying to work with Lingo, and you're trying to, you're kind of dragging those guys along for the ride while the real focus is putting on and putting in an offense and defensive sets. That's just different this year because a lot of these guys... Number one, they're veteran players. You got a lot of veterans on this team, but also the young guys that you do have, they do already know the lingo. They already know what's happening. They know what's expected of them. And I think that's a good thing. Like would I have liked to have seen a guy like Jaden Hardy on this plate on this team? Sure. You know, I think that that's something that having one or two young, like uber talented guys that you're trying to bring up and, you know, is going to spend most of the season at the G league level, but you know, has, has talent and potential to be something great down the road. I still would have liked to have seen that, but now I kind of understand. And we don't know yet, um, like what these contracts are, if they're true, like exhibit 10 contracts, uh, that we see for, for both, uh, Chima and KZ. Um, but they, they are like, there's partial guarantees. They're going to have some money coming to them and whether they're in Sacramento or, or they end up in Stockton, as part of something, it, it does feel like they probably will be part of the King system. And for me, Akpala is the guy who really is intriguing. He's, you know, basically been raised in the, in the Miami heat system. He is basically a clone physically of Mo Harkless. I think he measured in like six, seven and a quarter at the combine a couple of years ago. And then he's one of the, the smartest players I've ever seen because he wore uh, like two and a half inch heels to to the combine so he measured in almost six foot ten 
because he wore like super thick shoes. Good for him. A smart move. He's the anti Hassan Whiteside who wore flip flops. Um, good for Hassan. Um, <laughs> but Hassan's a natural seven foot. Like at that point, he, what does it he matter? He measured in at six eleven and three quarters because he wore flip flops, Sean. That's why. <laughs> that's why he's Hassan Whiteside. Well, they don't play basketball in <laughs> flip flops, James. I understand that. They also don't play it in two and a half inch thick, no. like shoes. Uh, anyway, uh, like he really, he's got a seven foot two wingspan, um, tremendous athleticism, and a which guy means who, he can give you one hell of a hug. Yeah, yeah, and he can tie your <laughs> shoes from across the room, like he like I I got you. Your shoelaces hey, untied. Um, yeah, but just because he's coming from Miami. Like, I mean, the Kings traded for Chris Silva not too long ago from Miami, and and that exactly, ooh. Forgot about that one. It made me me, uh, realize why Miami got rid of him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but my my point is, like, when you, you now realize that Miami isn't perfect, they don't, like, every single one of the players that come through their system isn't, like destined for greatness which is what you started to think because it seems like they just churn out players from the 25th pick and back and second round picks undrafted players um they they find diamonds in the rough all over the place but on occasion they make mistakes i think akpala at least has he has the the dimensions of the player that you want whether he can shoot the three well enough to stay on the court and stuff like that uh, I think he'll be good defensively, but you know what can he do? What can he bring to the table? And I'm at least intrigued by him. I think he's like the young upside swing on the roster that they didn't have. You know, I, I don't think that relying on him is the best way to go about this season. And I would guess that wouldn't be the case, even if it was just the current roster. Like you'd see more small ball in my mind. Like you'd see more. HB and Keegan out there at the same time, or maybe more of TD or Kevin Herter playing the three rather than um, Akpala just being the backup three that's getting 15 minutes every single night. I don't think that that's what you expect from him, but I think there's an argument that he's maybe the second best like point of attack defender on the roster. He's really versatile in that aspect. Like, And I think there's moments here and there where if you're having troubles guarding somebody on ball that you could look in his direction like there's situational moments where I think that he can get NBA minutes and in the meanwhile if a three-point shot does come around then he's a really there there is a consistent role for him in the NBA so I, I think having an upside swing especially at his size and length um, I, I think is nice to have on the roster because I don't know who I would have said that was that guy before and, yeah, and just he, 23, just 23 yeah, years old. He's young. I mean, he, he's basically like getting the small forward version of Keon Ellis, except for he's got more NBA experience. Whether he can hit the three or not is still a big question, but it kind of feels like that same thing. Long, Let's athletic. calm down. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were you okay that Keegan Murray won the Summer League MVP and it wasn't Keegan Keon Ellis? Well, Keon should have been at least on second team all Summer League and – I'm, I'm still talking league, to people about team. there was a second. I don't I don't even there know what the right terminology is. He should have been on the second team. Yeah, it's BS. I, I'm working on it. Working on it. He's working <laughs> on that and the tattoo. Um, okay, let's get to the business of basketball. Um, this is Sean's favorite segment. Uh, unlike uh, Tuesday Overreactions, which, of mm, course, MVP chance. Um, 
Yeah, it, this is kind of like one of those those interesting moments where you're looking at the kings that are in this this weird spot, um, and I think that if you look at them, you kind of circle them, and they're they're kind of with the Trailblazers, with the Lakers, with New Orleans. Like there's this maybe yeah um, I don't know Minnesota's probably still in there even though they don't want to be part of that. The um, but there's this group yeah there's this group of teams that that aren't really that good they're not horrible they're kind they're of not trying to be good either is that is that kind of what you're also getting at where no. some of these teams are not trying to be good either actually i would say this that these are the groups of teams that are gonna try to be a little bit better this year and then there's a huge group of teams that are gonna be horrible and want to be horrible because this is a phenomenal draft and you got teams like san antonio like orlando like um, utah yeah well utah now has dropped into that conversation but there are a lot more than that i mean there are a lot of teams that could fall into the chase for this the number one pick in the draft the number two pick in the draft um there are franchise changing players how much do you think that that opens a door for the kinks to be a team that not just playing but maybe even has a shot at at a playoff spot because it's not just that that those teams are dropping out of contention it's that on a tuesday night if you're playing the detroit pistons and and james edwards the third is talking (laughs) trash about your city that team is going to lay down and get run over by by the kings because they don't want to win they want the draft pick and so I think that there are enough teams that are looking to be bad. You know, the Kings for years struggled beating San Antonio. That should be three wins. San Antonio is not good. How many times have we seen the Sacramento Kings lose to the Utah Jazz? I mean, going to Utah is, a, is an instant loss. Well, maybe it's not this this year. Do you think that that opens a door for the Kings to push for 40 wins, push for 41 wins? Uh, just because there is that mechanism where teams are not trying to win more teams even from the beginning of the season as opposed to just collapsing at the end i think we're seeing teams lining up right now for draft position yeah and i you know i caution people because even the even the own team like there's players on this team that go into games thinking that they should win and oftentimes those are the ones that bite them in the ass like Um, I just hope they don't have that mentality and they don't take anything for granted because I think there's, uh, like you said, James, I, we can see it. We can see that there's teams that are not going to try to be competitive, uh, this year, but even some of those teams that you end up thinking won't competitive end up being kind of competitive. Like it's still Greg Popovich. Who's, who's going to be coaching that team. And even if that Spurs team, uh, isn't the most talented, you know, they're going to play hard and they're going to bring it. So while the goal is to, for that team, especially to try to effectively tank and and not be competitive this year and and try to maybe improve a draft position or two. Um, I think, I think they should be very cautious because when you start feeling that way and feeling yourself and thinking, Oh, it's just going to come to us. We're going to be okay. They can't because by virtue of them not being in the playoffs for 16 years, they should not think that way at all. I do realistically think, yes, there is some doors that have opened up that might have been closed, but there's a lot of question marks too. Like, what do you expect from the Lakers, who are essentially at this point right now running it back? What do you ex- what do you expect for Portland, who last year tried to tank, 
uh, got rid of CJ. Dame didn't play. Now Dame's back. I've got people telling me that like Dame's this forgotten man and is no longer this top fifteen talent. And I'm like, you're crazy. Like you're you're crazy to me. Like I I just don't see that. And they got um, Jeremy Grant. They they picked right. up uh, you know Nasir Little's back. Um, I mean I Nurkic Hart, is going to be healthy again. Hart yeah. was a good pickup. Um, I'm not like Shaden Sharp. I'm not concerned with, but you know no. Simons is back. Simons like, has that progression. He got yeah, paid. Got I mean, this, yeah. I think to me, it's like, what do you expect for from Chauncey Billups? You know, I, 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 do we do we think he can coach? I think he showed some nice moments, but um, who knows there? Uh, Denver is obviously going to be really, really good. Utah is definitely not. Uh, I think I think Utah is going to fall out, especially with not having uh, Quinn Snyder there. I think you're going to have a first year head coach, and it's going to look a little weird. Uh, what are they going to do with Donovan? Uh, I think the Clippers are going to be pretty good, um, but the I Warriors think, like, are going to be the Warriors. The Pelicans are like a coin flip. You have no idea if they're going to be good or not. Like, well, and how they, much of that just surrounds Zion? Like, you just don't know what to expect. Like, can do we? Is this is this going to be Zion? Okay, they're going to put him on a shelf. Don't play him till December. Make sure the foot's completely great. And he hasn't played in so long that you I just know. and he hasn't ever got to a point where he's part of the flow of anything. And so you don't even really know what you have. And, and will he upset, like, the delicate balance that, that they had during the final couple of weeks of the season where they played o- really well? Yeah. And OKC you know, shouldn't be good. Houston probably shouldn't be good either. No, so they should those be are, Minnesota's going to be fantastic. I think they're going to be fine, a bona fide playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think so? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't love Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert together. Like, I don't know that that makes any sense. And you gutted your depth, all of your depth to do it. And your leader. You know, the the only other time Minnesota's made the playoffs was with a personality, not a player, but a personality like Pat Bev in Jimmy Butler. And once again, they traded the personality. So, I mean, that does actually mean something to a franchise that, you know, wavers on inconsistency and everything else. I think Charlotte is in a position where, like, what the hell is going to happen in Charlotte? I mean, really? I mean, with, well, especially with what happened with Miles Bridges uh, right now. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't. Three I don't felonies, think, talking no, domestic no. violence and, and child abuse. Like, how do you, how do you uh, put that I don't aside? Know if he'll ever play again in the league? Oh, he'll. I think. I think he will. But. Oh, I don't know. Uh, okay, so uh, and like that was one of the topics. And sorry, we've just kind of like Brennan's just quietly <laughs> sitting there. But uh, like the the Miles Bridges thing, in the state of California which is where that this situation happened where he allegedly beat on his, I don't know if it's his wife or his girlfriend. It's his um, girlfriend, but baby mama, if that makes sense. Like, the yeah, but like I see it her. reported somewhere that it's his wife and someplace where it's his girlfriend. But here's the problem that he has, like besides the fact that he did something horrific and I mean, broke her nose, uh, bruised ribs, like choked her, like, like damaged her ear. Like there's all kinds of, evidence but in the state of california we learned this when we went through the darren collison thing if someone makes a statement to the police someone makes a statement in general like what she did she went straight to instagram and put on a huge like statement about what had happened and then on top of that she did the video of the son talking and, and explaining what he witnessed even if she says hey i don't want to be part of that that will be read into the official court record as her statement. If she does decide she doesn't want to testify, California doesn't play that game. They don't play the intimidation or the 
somebody changed their mind after getting beat senseless and then doesn't want the person to get in trouble once it's said that is a statement that is read in and i like there's a possibility he somehow pleads that down to a misdemeanor but three felonies i don't know and three felonies is jail time and either way it's a bad one like we're watching like you know look at man you is dealing with uh mason greenwood like he's not there like what do you do they don't even seem to know what to do with that guy he's out on bail still but you know like he's uh, uh when it comes to miles bridges he's on a hundred thirty thousand dollar bail and that bail probably just went up this is no joke this is crazy time so i i don't know but my point is that charlotte could take a huge step back without him you know and, and so there are a lot of teams that i think you know we're in this weird situation where if the Porzingis thing doesn't work out in Washington, are we going to see those guys shut it down again like they always seem to do? You know, So I think that there's going to be a lot more teams that are looking at this draft and going, hmm, we're too far away to not take that gamble. And I think the Kings probably should be in that, and they're not going to be. Oh, because, they're not going to be. No, they're not going to be. They're going for it. So I don't know. Brennan, what do you think? Because we've kind of like just – just put you on this I, I just muted you and just put you to the side you're fine somebody pointed this out in the comments last time that apparently i don't talk enough and i've never even noticed it so i don't know what's going on nobody uh, i can't brendan wait for, i can't corner. yeah yeah i can't wait for him to just go hey shut up it's my turn <laughs> nobody puts brendan in the corner i think that okc houston utah and san antonio are the four teams that in my mind I would expect they should be worse than the Kings. Um, And after those four, you're still sitting at 11. And in my mind, one of those four could be better than the Kings. Like, OKC, if they actually decide to put all their players out there, can roster a pretty solid team at this point. Um, If they decide to try this season, you know, but... You never know. Like one of those teams could do better than expected, and just one like one of those teams above Sacramento um, that you would comfortably place above them will probably drop lower. So I, I think that there is going to be a lot of reliance on taking advantage of the Eastern Conference and when you play them because the West is really loaded, and I think that there's maybe seven different teams in the East compared to the four in the West that Sacramento should like comfortably be favored against. So I I think that taking, making sure that you're winning the games against the right teams in the Eastern conference is going to really matter. And obviously just like winning the games that you're quote unquote supposed to, like, I I think that you never know on a given night in the NBA, but there's going to be nights where I I think they comfortably should be favored and just taking care of business on those nights. Like Sean said, not going into it, just expecting to get a win, but going into a, kind of ready for the battle that is that game and taking care of business as need be as kind of the more talented roster like just losing some of these games that they're supposed to win there's a very thin margin of error in my mind for throughout this season so gotta kind of make sure to capitalize on those ones where they are the clear favorite yeah um i saw vegas has them at 32 and a half wins ridiculous no too low Sean? 32? They won 30 last year. Bro. 32 oh. and a half. I just... 
I'll tell him until Sean and I have covered this team so long. <laughs> Twelve years. The the audacity that you have to question <laughs> and like like as if you've never seen this team fall short before. Just just see it first, right? Like two more wins there. than last year. That's not Brandon, how betting works, Sean. Brandon, you have to do it in advance. In twelve years, <laughs> they've broke thirty-two and a half wins two times. Thirty-three with George Carl. He's an 30, MVP, guys. He's an 39. MVP. <laughs> Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine under Dave Yeager. <laughs> they've got the reigning MVPs. They've got Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray, summer league MVPs, and they can't I win just, thirty-three games. Look, like, just, no, they can't. They, they certainly are capable of it. But there's so much that goes into a season, man. Like, injuries and yeah. trades can still happen. And, and like, look, what if Demonis Sabonis goes and falls down some steps? Like, I'm not trying to put that juju out there. But Slips I'm on just a remembering. Pill. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just remembering. I know it's not funny. Like, I'm, I'm remembering DeMarcus Cousins when he comes back from his injury and he's playing a pickup game and all of a sudden it, it goes kaput again and he's looking at another long extended absence. Now, granted, he was on the Warriors, so they could stomach, you know, they already they were already a great team. Um, but, dude, like, just there's so much. I just I, – I need to okay. see it. I really do. I think it's certainly capable. This team is very much capable of doing a, a lot of those things. I think it's they're capable of winning 40 wins. But I, I just – you have a brand – again, I said this when Luke Walton got to the team. You have to remember, first-year head coaches, yep. th- th- it, there's a feeling out process there. There's a little bit – there's some wonkiness to it. Hopefully you don't have that. Hopefully you don't. I mean, Mark, Mike Brown, now he doesn't have a Kobe or a LeBron, so we obviously have to say that. But he's known for getting a lot of regular season wins as a result of having players like that. Um, he's <laughs> – there's just – I just got to see it, man. I just don't want people to go in there and all of a sudden, like, get pissed at us for saying that they should have done something that they shouldn't. And it's like, well, you fool. Like, they haven't, they've, they've, they've <laughs> missed the playoffs 16 straight years. And they, which means not only did you miss the playoffs, look at it another way. You've been in the worst half of the league for 16 straight years. And, and so for this, for me to go in there and say this team is going to do anything, 31 wins, you know, again, it's arbitrary. Because whether it's 31 or 38, the reality is you're probably not making the playoffs, right? Postseason playoff, uh, play-in tournament, maybe. Yeah, and again, play-in tournament is different. You got to treat that differently. It's not making the playoffs. But I don't know, man. Like the, the, They've gotten a little bit better defensively, maybe, but they still aren't good defensively, if I'm if we're being honest, right? Like I don't think any one of us are saying – like if they're the worst team in the league defensively, how much how many teams did they leapfrog – with these additions maybe two three yeah i think they're like 23rd ranked defense type thing bullshit no chance right now right now uh, i think they, what they've made they themselves as a single defensive player they've got guys who are capable of playing a team defense concept and and again yeah. you you like some things you've seen from keegan murray but we watched Paolo Bencaro yeah. walk right by him several times uh even chet went right by him several times and that was in summer league um, what's going to happen when he's playing with NBA players. And again, I'm not trying to bash Keegan Murray. I'm just saying the expectation, the things you expect from Keegan Murray based off summer league and, and college you, you, going into the NBA could be vastly different. And, and I think he's going to be fine. I think this team's immensely more talented and immensely more interesting on the offensive end. Defensively. I just don't think they've made a lot of strides um, in the right areas, if that makes sense. 
now hopefully hopefully you know you're expecting something different from De'Aaron Fox and he's shown to be a capable defender but can he can, can he stay that way you know Sabonis not a great defender what do we have with Rashawn Holmes Harrison Barnes is not a great defender in fact we've, we've documented how bad that's been at times um so yeah would they get better again it's, you got a thousand bucks right now yes thou- thank you james make bucks. him commit because he spends an hour and a half every single twice a week never committing to any take a, me a thousand dollars yeah, yes. right now if you had a thousand dollars and you had to make the bet and take the over or the under so either 33 or 31 wins which you which do you take I have to pick 33 or 31. Those are my options. I can't do like an over under of 31 and a half. Well, no, I mean the, the over under it. Well, I mean, the mark is 32 and a half. It's 32. Oh, 32 and a half. Yeah. So they either, you either are gun gun to my head, gun to your head. They're either a 32 win team or less, or they're a 33 win team or more. Uh, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. You're crazy. He just, dro- he just dropped crazy. his pen. He dropped his pen. Whatever he did, he. I made just my answer. He just dropped it. Oh, okay, that's Drop how shocking it was. It, yeah. yeah. Okay. In so that just scenario, to be clear, yeah. they should win at least thirty-three no, games. Not at all. How dare you, <laughs> <laughs> Brendan? You're you're saying the over, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm kind of offended you asked. Absolutely. He has he hasn't been there before, people. He hasn't okay, been there on, before. Okay, hold on, hold on, Brendan. Yes, thirty-eight wins over under. Um, gun to my head, Sean. I'm going under. That that's really close. That that's like my number for right around where they're at. So neither, so it's not a playoff team. Postseason, I think they're a play in, and then you could win on any given night in a play in tournament. But we're talking about what the roster is right now, too. So, who knows what they look like at the trade deadline? Could they make some? Can they make anything happen in the off season? First off, can they make any action happen before the trade deadline? You know, if you're trending that way and you, you're able to make another move, who knows? But yeah, yeah I'm with you. I and and yeah. I think the defensive progress that you were kind of touching on, a lot of it has to do with just starting from a really freaking low bar. Like, I yeah. really didn't <laughs> bring in guys that are good defenders but i think they brought in some players that are average to maybe a little bit below average and they had bad defenders last year i think they have some decent defensive players they brought in they just don't have them in the right position to play they're not talented enough to play bulk minutes if that makes sense right yeah you've got defenders but keon ellis isn't gonna play He's not like, playing, and no, and, and Davion Mitchell's not your starting point guard or two guard. So like like you know, you've got defensive. It's it's your people who are your bulk minute. Yeah, position they, players. It, it's nice it's, to have defenders, but you have to right. have defenders who will actually play the game. Who will actually right. can you have those two way? Yeah. Right. Now your team defense concepts. I think that's where it's really going to be intriguing to see what training camp shakes out because you do have capable defenders you don't really have stellar defenders in those in those areas and can you be can you be solid defensively as a unit and i think that's where that's where i think speed has to play a factor like you know mike brown talks about at least in, in the interview when i talked to him how he he wants to utilize the speed as much as possible have a have a, a pace to them um but also there's going to be moments where they have to slow it down 
and yeah, like you have to to me you have to use speed as your like right now if if the if the roster is what it is right now you have to utilize your speed because outscoring teams right now is 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 how you win <laughs> like i know that's not the most bold concept in the world cuz no shit Sean you have to score more than the other team but outscoring them in a in a situation where you're just going to run and share the ball and score 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 and be like what they were under Dave Yeager that first year or was it second year um, that's what that's what you're hoping this looks like. That was third year, Dave Yeager. Third year, excuse me. Yes, yeah, Paul, third apologies. year. Uh, first all... year, he had a a veteran team with cousins and and like a, a veterans. And second year, they dumped everybody and had five rookies. And then the third year, they ran and were crazy. I got yeah. to. By the way, uh, I said hello to him for you. Um, he looks great. By the way, very very happy. Um, My dude. Looked like he had. Looked like he had life again, and uh, he's he's really enjoying his time. Yeah, I, we do. We talk. We we text back and forth quite a bit. Um, yeah, he's still like it's like the cancer changed his palate completely, and yeah. like eating food is not easy. Um, he's gone through a lot of pain, uh, but you know he's doing he's doing well. So shout out to Dave Yeager. Shout out to Dave, Coach Dave. Yeah, Coach Dave was a, a, a was a trip. He's a fun dude to to cover. And I think that, that that would be the other thing that Mike Brown is gonna be a lot of fun to cover. Oh yeah. And even if they they lose a bunch of games, he's still gonna be like a live wire and a lot of fun. Like I, I hope that that's not what we have to go through, like just a bunch of you know, another fifty loss season. But I certainly think that like he's gonna bring the energy each and every night and he'll be fun to cover one way or another. A lot like Alvin was. You know, mm-hmm. Alvin was fun to cover. Okay, um, let's wrap this thing up. Um, before we get to final thoughts, I want to give a shout out to our guy Jason Wise, uh, who married, mm. uh, who got married this weekend uh, to Nicole, one of the uh, his fellow Kings employees. Um, Jason Wise has been uh, one of the top guys in their digital department for. Uh, he started before I did. He started uh, working for the Kings before I started covering the team. Um, so, like, probably 14, 15 years. Uh, does a lot of good video work. Uh, he's been uh, a good dude to be around for a long time. And so congrats to the happy couple. Um, outside of that, do you guys have any final thoughts? You know what was kind of cool with, with, with him and Nicole getting married in San Francisco? There, Jason's a, just a huge, sick Giants fan like myself. And he was at the game the other night when uh, Mike Yastrzemski hit the walk-off grand slam. Mm. So how's that for like, hey, we're we're about to get married and we're at a Giants game and they win in this dramatic fashion? That's kind of that's kind of cool. Yeah, Brennan, do you have any final thoughts? What do you got? The little docu series, I guess, going on the behind the scenes thing that the Kings are doing, the run, which is a little bit of a ballsy name, um, but I like it. <laughs> And why did you say that? Because they're acting like this this year is is the run to the playoffs. In my mind, is is what that means. You know, they Which, should call it the walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the swift the stroll. The the stroll. I, I could clearly see by the end of the season someone adding an S to the end of that <laughs> the run. Of that title. <laughs> the runs. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. Just, I mean, it is what it is. Good work. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll it, tell it's a, very well done. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I'll tell a quick story before we head off. Um, the Kings, you remember they had the video series Inside the Kingdom? Sean remembers, remembers this. Um, I actually, with a producer years ago, pitched an entire show to them called Inside the Kingdom, uh, an entire presentation that we gave to the the basketball, not the basketball side, the business side, where we pitched like almost like a hard knocks, but like following the Kings on a daily basis, doing uh, monthly shorts and, and all this stuff. And they decided to not do it. And then three months later, um, they stole the idea completely, called it Inside the Kingdom and ran with it and and uh used it as the exact same idea that like they didn't change the name they didn't even deviate from the game plan (laughs) or the name they just took it and who did that um put them on blast yeah we need names what was his name dave schwartz oh i remember him that's who they they pointed at and said it was him who did it but i didn't pitch it to him I pinched it to much bigger people in the organization than him, and somehow that found its way into someone else's idea, and they did an entire series that we had pitched. Yeah. So, so what did you do? Just go, oh, thanks. Like, gee, golly, what, what do you do? What do you do? Like, uh, people steal shows all the time. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's entertainment, I guess. That's, that's them. Them's the breaks. Them and them's are the and at that time too. I, I didn't have time to mess with it. I, I wasn't going to sit there and fight them on it. I got an apology. Like sorry about that. <laughs> like really sorry. sorry about that. By like a VP came and apologized. They, they didn't me. step on your foot. They just stole your idea and tried to monetize it. Stole the idea and tried to monetize it and 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 <laughs> you know they, I don't think they did it. I, I thought it was good. It was. You know their idea, like the way that they presented it, was good. But I, you know, I think ours would have been a little bit better. So the way this one is done looks a lot like uh, UFC does a tremendous job of doing these uh, uh, week of you know, especially of a big pay per view fight. You've got a twenty four seven style docu series for each day leading up to the fight, and 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 it's tremendous, and it, and it has very much that feel and. I uh, can't wait to see more of them because they've got some really talented people over there. Yeah. I had a producer from The Amazing Race pitch the idea with me. Like, he had done 13 seasons of The Amazing Race. So, like, we had a, like, it was a full-fledged, like, thought-out plan. So Clearly not a good enough idea, James. By well. 13 seasons of An Amazing Race, is it still very amazing? Um, or is it somewhat... <laughs> I don't know. Mediocre. Could you imagine? Have you ever watched that with a, an editor's eye? Because I know you. No. You're uh, no, every... sorry to disappoint you. I've actually never seen it. Okay, sorry. so in yeah. every thirty seconds, there's probably sixty cuts. It's <laughs> yeah. that quick. Wow. Boom, 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 boom. Like you would watch it if you with your editor eye because you are you do video editing. You'd be like, holy cow! That that is crazy. Like just the different angles, different cameras, how quick it goes. Yeah, amazing. Very cool moments. So, <laughs> it's a good show. It's, I, I, it's still around. Is it? So, yeah, um, yeah. They uh, probably another season coming up soon. Okay. Yeah. Should yeah, we expect to see back. you on there, James? Um, I tried out for it? the Amazing Race years ago. Um, what do you do I, when you try out? I went and waited in line at like 
the Jackson Rancheria, and uh, and then we actually made it inside and did like a, I think they they videotaped our our interview, but it was me and my brother, which that was probably my mistake, just because, <laughs> yeah, we I mean it would have been good TV, like I we would have been yelling at each other the whole time, so yeah but it would be a good time at this point like i couldn't do it with back injuries and everything else like there's no way but yeah um anyway yeah i would do survivor too survivor would be a blast oh hell no absolutely not and you know they um they actually James, would offered... you do naked and afraid <laughs> no no i can't I mean, do that's... naked i'm too damn white <laughs> no i just i just burn Pretty and i'm not gonna burn though. there like i'm not doing naked like there's nowhere to hide, Sean. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> find some big bush leaves or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. I I would do Survivor though, even though that I was, was just trying to make Brendan laugh right there. Yeah. My whole goal. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do Naked and Afraid. But Survivor, like the gameplay stuff, I would love. Yeah. Okay, so is but Naked and Afraid would be all right minus the nudity. It's basically Survivor, yeah. Sort of, except for Survivor, I think you actually stay in one place and you build a camp and all that stuff. See, I'd be good at all that, building camps and stuff. That's what you fine. do. Yeah, I would be fine on all that. So, yeah, I think it would be a it would be a good time. Um, I, you know, they, no they tried to get Doug to do Survivor at one point, and I think they tried to get him, him and Jackie to do The Amazing Race. Um, and, of course, Scott Pollard did Survivor. He did. And he yeah. wasn't thought of very highly. Like they made him look like kind of well. I don't. I don't know. He, I remember I've him had that saying discussion he would, he'd never him. do it again, right? Well, I think he said that, but I think in the at the end of the day, he probably like if they really came to him, he might consider it. Although not at this point because he had heart problems afterwards. He's um, an absolute nut job. So uh, it, by virtue of him wanting to do something like means I would. There's no chance I would ever do it. Yeah, he. I don't was... even like camping, bro. I'm gonna be camping for the next two days. <laughs> oh later no, I don't week. like camping either. I, yeah. I, camping to me is being in a hotel. I just camped for eight days in Vegas, so now I got to go camp where there's actually bugs and shit. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I actually grew up camping all the time, but I, I don't do it anymore. No. Um, anyway, yeah, and Scott uh, was very upset with the way they portrayed him on Survivor. Like he he actually came on the pod. And, yeah. and talked about Survivor, like, uh, because I wanted to, like, pick his brain about Survivor. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I, we've <laughs> sat here and shot the the S for a while. Uh, but uh, Business of Basketball, Naked and Afraid edition. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who would be uh, the best uh, Kings member to be on Naked and Afraid if you had to pick two? This feels like a bait of a question. Like... What are you really asking? Look at James is really thinking about. I it, think like Davion because he's just so intense and wouldn't stop working and be like, "I got this." Like, all right. I think I want the Kings players to keep their clothes on and play basketball. <laughs> personally, I'm yeah, with you. yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this edition <laughs> of the Kings Beat Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We, we I, This thing got squirrely because it's almost 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, it'll go up on Wednesday morning. Just so you know, I'll be on all week with uh, with Damian Barling on ESPN 1320, doing like four-hour shifts every day, uh, sitting here a lot. Um, so we'll try to keep squeezing these in. 
it's cut back on the writing a little bit for this for the last couple of days um i also did spend the weekend uh i took the weekend off because it was uh the wife and i's anniversary um big number 23 23 years good for you guys yeah, congrats yeah. And he yeah. busted out the fedora, which we, we talked about on the Deuce and Mo podcast today. I heard you guys were talking about my fedora on the Deuce and Mo podcast. <laughs> that was okay. I think so, your fedora should have a ch- like a like a business card that says press that, that's like put into like an old school. Yeah, I can hat. see that. And even that pick, that wasn't like uh, I just had that pick in my phone, and I didn't ask hmm. for I didn't say, "Hey, wife, come over here, let's take a picture." Um, so that was like I think that was from New Orleans. I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm just gonna put that right. pick in. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I've been married a long time. Um, <laughs> <excuse me. laughs> oh, you just killed him. Yeah. Well, I uh, can't pull off Fedora, so good for you, man. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingspeed Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back later in the week. We'll figure that one out because we got to work around radio and Sean going camping um, and Brendan doing whatever Brendan's doing at this point. Uh, Molly's <laughs> there somewhere, I think. Um, so, for Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham, and of course, Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast and the King's Herald. I'm James Ham, your King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See you later this week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.